If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with my bookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up to the minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. Good afternoon and welcome, everybody. This would be the Jeff Cameron Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and Warchant TV. Great pleasure to be here with you. As always, how is it? How is it? Balls McWednesday already? At least in my mind, this week is flying by. I'm Jeff. There's Tom, Director Matthew, in the house as well. You can uh, find me on Twitter at J Cameron Show, and uh, you can watch the program if you are right now on Warchant TV. Everybody's doing well. Appreciate you joining us. Appreciate you being here each and every day. Don't forget to like and subscribe if that's the uh, uh, venue, if that's the uh, medium that you're using, if you're listening on the radio. Thanks so much for your support there as well. What a busy week. You know, Tom, that went about exactly as we thought it would. Um, I, it, it's a weird thing to watch a basketball game where you feel it's uh, fruitless uh, before it starts, uh, especially it, it, let's put this in perspective. It is very rare these days to enter into a game in which um, you don't think Florida State's basketball team, that's how good and consistent the program has been, has uh, any chance at all. But I got a glimpse earlier this year, very early in the season, of Purdue. And I thought, well, how did Purdue assemble that roster? That is a, uh, it's an insane roster. Now, there's a lot of basketball to watch, and we will. And we are barely, you know, we're, we're, we're not even 10 games into the season. Uh, and you knew last night, I mentioned this on headlines yesterday, that going into a game without two seven-footers uh, that, you, that are available to you, <laughs> that, that would be able to play, and at least, like, Naheem McLeod and, and Tanner and Gom, I'm not trying to tell you those two players are uh, stalwarts in the paint and that they're going to dominate. uh, But they are, at the very least, extremely tall. How's that for an understatement? They are very, very tall, right? Now, that serves to help alter shots. It provides fouls to give. It does a lot of things. They were not there. They were not available last night. And of all games, for them not to be available... It would seem that that was one they ought not miss, given that Purdue's big is Frankenstein. That guy doesn't look human. I'm not even kidding about this. If you guys did not watch the game last night, 
then you you missed. Uh, you, first of all, go find and watch Purdue the first chance you get because they're really good. I hate talking this glowingly about um, a, a, another opponent, but good God, they've got an answer for everything that you would want to do. They're bigger than you, and by you I mean the rest of the country, and they shoot it lights out. They've got shooters all over the floor. And it ain't just one big. It's 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 two and three bigs coupled with a ton of perimeter shooters in quickness. So I would argue that for the most part, Florida State did not play poorly. They were ill-equipped to compete against a team that is uh, scary, scary good. Yeah, I was proud of the effort we hit, that we broke it down and got it within ten points multiple times in the second half. Got it down to eight, despite the runs that they were on. You know, the, the frustrating thing, and I think this is going to be no matter if you play Purdue or if you play somebody in the ACC who's reasonably tall. The thing that kills me is the second chance points. That's where I get frustrated because it seemed like if if we didn't have an outright live ball turnover or a dead ball turnover, we weren't getting a stop. Mm-hmm. That was the killer part. But we rotate well. They find their fourth or fifth option. They whip the ball around in the half court like nobody's business does Purdue. They hit their open threes. They oh, hit their jump shots. Well, they hit they their mid-range shots. They don't miss them. No. And if they did, they're going to get the board and they're going to put it back. It was a tough one, man. I mean, that was that looks like uh, the Villanova team that nobody was going to beat. It looks like the Gonzaga team recently, very recently, that nobody was going to beat. Except I'd say a little bit better. And Leonard said as much in the postgame last night. He said, man, yeah, even man. if I brought my best teams here, I, I don't know if they're going to play like they did tonight and hit all their contested shots. I mean, many of the threes, as the tone was set in this game, were mm-hmm. four and five feet beyond the three-point arc. It's silly. They, they've got a sea of shooters, and then there's Zach Eady at center. And if I mean, I'm not even kidding. I, I'm not trying to, um, you know, besmirch the kid because uh, me, I described him as Frankenstein. What I mean is, the, people that big, first of all, are just odd to look at, right? You don't. It's like Yao Ming. Like looking at Yao Ming was interesting. You just thought, well, people—that's a freak of nature. That he is preternaturally big. People don't look like that. And then, in addition, if they do look like that, they traditionally do not move fluidly. They don't have a handle on their size. It's like uh, you know, it's like when you have a growth spurt early in your life, and you're not all together coordinated yet so you kind of look like a baby giraffe you're just kind of stumbling all over the place right or a newborn foal or something right watching Zach Eady have full control of his body to see the size of his legs and the effortless way in which he moves around the paint and he's got good hands to go with it plus he's thick he's not tall skinny he's a thick dude we had zero answers for that in the first three minutes of this game I went well, if they feed the post to him the rest of the night, the game is over. There's nothing you can do, especially since you're missing two seven-footers of your own who at the very least would alter a shot just by their presence. They yeah, wouldn't they, be able to stop him from getting to the basket, but they would make it more difficult because of the length. Yeah, they'd rack up a foul or two. Yes. You'd make them think twice, even though he'd bounce off of them. I mean, they aren't going to bring a whole lot to the table, but they'd, they'd give you something to think about. Yes. Yeah, it was, uh, it was something, and it's not like... Um, 
you know, it's not like the first kid wasn't big. It wasn't like, I mean, they, they had 12, 18, 11, 12, 8, 8, and 13. They had that many guys with that kind of even scoring. Well, that's how you get to 93. It's how you score 48 and 45 in, in, the, in the respective halves. But it's really remarkable. I, that team, if they're not at the Final Four, I'll be very surprised. Now, tournaments are tournaments, and they're freaky, and you can have a bad night. Somebody could shoot 80% from three, something like that. It could have a, be a Villanova-Georgetown moment, whatever. But to me... That team, just personnel-wise, is a Final Four team. Yeah, they might be better than any team we fielded here in the last five or six years. Now, we've had some really good ones, mm-hmm. including the COVID season. Yeah, I think the COVID season team might have won it all. It, it reminds me of um, a scene in one of the early episodes of Family Guy when they're in a jail cell and there's a violent criminal who pokes <laughs> himself with a knife and goes, is that what I've been doing to people? Oh, no. <laughs> well, watching what happened in Purdue last night, like, is that is that what people think when they come to our building? Because, my God. Anytime we tried to get it close, anytime we did get it close, and you're thinking, okay, now, John Butler, keep your feet in bounds, because if you do, we might get this thing down to six or four. Mm. Then they push, and it's a 6-0 run. And the first basket is a contested basket. It's a contested a contested 26-foot shot, but it's bottoms. You're like, okay. Yeah. All right, fine. If you're going to keep reasserting yourself, I was, I was just really proud, and I think this group is going to be a lot better for what they saw last night. Called it a first-class education. That's what that was. John Butler is going to be a better basketball player down the stretch because of that game. Jalen Worley as well. Yeah. Matthew Cleveland. They're all going to learn, these inexperienced players, a lot about themselves after last night and the standard of where you got to go. The good news is you you're not going to see teams like that. No, you didn't even see it in the 930 window with Duke playing Ohio State. They outright lost. Yeah. Well, boy, the ACC, whew, uh, some issues. Uh, that said, over. That, is, that said, even games you had one, you choked away, Pitt. I mean, my God, that game's won. What are you doing? Silly. Uh, but that said, I what what startled me, Tom, is, okay, you come into a season in which you know that you lose four of your top five scorers. So you know that this is going to be relative to the talent level you've raised, the floor has been raised. It is going to be a bit of a, uh, a, a work in progress. I don't want to say outright rebuild, but when you lose four of your top five scorers, you, you are going to have some uh, some growing pains. But looking at what Purdue is, and looking at and and by the way, Purdue conversely returned nine of their ten contributors, starters, important pieces to the puzzle from last year. So this was a bad matchup. I mean, like. The idea of when they sat down to decide ACC Big Ten Challenge, who do we match up with whom, uh, they probably should have been like, well, I, I don't know that Florida State is going to go on the road against that Purdue team and play all that well. That said, I get it. Three back-to-back-to-back Sweet 16s. It's a name now, which is nice. It's flattering that they're like, well, we'll, we'll send Florida State along. They get a Sweet 16 every year. That's nice. Played a couple of classics against Purdue in the last two seasons. Yeah. One was in a tournament. One was in the ACC Big Ten here yeah. in Tallahassee. That that game either went to overtime or was a final possession, whatever Great it game. was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, I didn't need to see the 15-2 to run that uh, Purdue went on to, to end up salting all of this away. I, I, I mean, we knew what this was. And, and, and same goes for the first half when you're hanging in there, hanging in there. I. I say I don't need to see it to know what the outcome was going to be. I needed to see it because it was great to see the fight like you're talking about. It was nice to see the the what for and the toughness. Forest State did show that last night. And they also showed a level of skill, Caleb Mills in particular, that suggests that against teams that aren't built like Purdue, and few are, folks, then you're going to be all right. You're going to be all right. You got a guy 
who can really use his quickness to get to the hole and, and, and create problems for almost, I think, anybody Florida State faces. He had 22 points, 9 of 16 shooting, 2 of 3 from beyond the arc, made his free throws, had four boards, two steals, three, I mean, three steals, two assists. Okay, there, that, that is exciting because what he will be in a year or two, holy moly, and he's already good now. He's already good now. Now you see why it was he was the incoming freshman of the year at Houston, all those things. That's a player right there. Uh, I think John Butler is going to be a problem for people as a shooter. He's obviously got to put on 150 pounds, but, man, can he shoot. Uh, that's nice to watch. Yeah, he's got to put on a director, Matthew. I mean, he, he, at least, at bare minimum, at that height, the director, Matthew, may make him still uh, slightly less skinny, but but he would be a beanpole. Uh, you know, Malik Osborne's not a center. We're having to oftentimes play him in that situation that way. I it, Not good. Uh, I thought Matthew Cleveland had an eye-opening experience on the road. I thought he looked overwhelmed at times and frustrated, but then kind of, all right, eased in eventually. Now, that was not a good shooting performance from him, uh, 3 of 10. But then again, uh, again, these are young players. Um, Cameron Fletcher really didn't have an impact in this game at all. Uh, I don't know why Wyatt Wilkes is on the team. I have talked about this before. I don't know when we run him out there, what he's providing for us. And, and here's why I'm going to say it. That sounds harsh. You are a catch-and-shoot player, Wyatt. You are not a dribbler. You're not a guy that facilitates. You're not a guy that should dribble around out on the perimeter, figuring it out. When the ball is passed to you and you have a measure of space between you and the defender, shoot it. It is the only reason you're here is to find out whether or not you can make a shot early and thus will ride your hot hand because you can shoot, as we've seen. But save for that, every other aspect of your game is ass. You don't defend, you can't dribble, you're not a facilitator. Shoot the ball. Yeah, we got a lot of guys, and this will be a broken record until I see different, but we got a lot of guys who believe that they can dribble drive and who will turn down an open three for one dribble towards the basket before they go, oh, no, I'm trapped, and they look for help. And then they pass it to another guy who thinks, oh, you know what? Let me try driving to the basket here. Ooh, wait a minute. He's too quick. Better pull back here. Anybody open? Ooh, let me get rid of the ball. I'll live with it, Tom, when it's somebody like Worley or it's somebody like uh, Cleveland. Uh, Wyatt doesn't have that same sort of Same with Polite, man. Well, and whatever's going on with him is uh, confusing. I don't. I'm not real sure, certain what what's happened to to him. Um, I don't know if he's hurt or if the no. off season. Well, listen, I, I, there was a talk that before the season he wasn't 100, percent and that was why he was in street clothes early. If that's the case and he's working through something, I do. I, for lack of a better term, forgive me for this. I'd like to be polite, but I mean he's a guy that has shown ability in the past, so I don't want to dismiss him. He has been a player. Agreed. Now he's been a player when there were other good players, but. All I'm saying is it doesn't look like there is um, an emphasis, and I know it's the motion offense, and so you got to move. It's not we're not drawing up plays for people, but it looks like he's not coming open in his natural spots where he hits threes. The one he hit last night, I remember because yeah, it's, you've seen you know, it. I feel like it's the only one, mm-hmm. you know. And does an ankle really affect your jump shot from the perimeter? It can. It can. Uh, so we're going to work on it by trying to dribble to the basket well, and cross people over. No, I'm with, I'm with you. They're trying to If he's out there, it's because they're trying to work through it and get him in shape, and I don't know that he's all the way there. He may not have his legs is what I'm getting at. So we'll see. Hasn't played well to start the year. This sounds doom and gloom. 
it looked doom and gloom because of who Purdue is, and they can exploit and embarrass and expose matchup inefficiencies, of which there were many because we didn't have two seven-footers to help out in the paint. That, that's a problem. And the, the seven-footer you had out there likes to linger along outside and, and shoot threes, which he can do, but you know he's not exactly a help down low. So, I, 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 again, I don't think this is going to be indicative of the team that Florida State is in matchups against, say, top 25 teams. Like, if you're worried, well, Jeff, they played a really good team last night and they got blown out. Yeah, that's like a really good top 25 team amongst the really good top 25 teams. Like, that's a three, somewhere in the neighborhood, well, they're ranked number two in the country, but somewhere in the neighborhood of two or three best teams in the country is what they look like to me in the early stages of this season, flipping around, watch a little college basketball so far. We'll educate and continue to further uh, that education as the season goes along. We get more games under our belt, meaning viewing. They're the best team I've seen. Uh, Leonard remarked on them that they're like the best team he's seen in a handful of seasons. Yeah, you and, see. and I'm going to trust Leonard's eye there. I mean, and he was effusive in praise of, of the program and what they've built, as one would be on a, in a visiting press conference. But I watched all eight minutes of it. And. The way he said the things he said, yeah, uh, yeah, that's Glowing. different. Yeah, that's different is what he's saying. I don't know. He remarked out loud. I don't bring my best teams here. I'm not sure. Well, I'm not sure. It, it, you know, they're I, all grown, grown ass men everywhere on that floor and fearless. Certainly at home, uh, it felt fruitless. I could see where you'd be like, if you're him, you'd go, really. How in the hell is this existing at Purdue? Is this the G League? What are we are we playing a small Yeah. Yeah, is this the G League? Exactly right. Like what is going on here? These guys look like pro players. It was it was something. It, it really was. I, I I enjoyed the basketball, meaning Purdue was so good and they put us out of our misery, put us out of our misery so quickly even though we fought like you you're pointing out. That I was kind of like, well, this is something to behold. I'm going to be glad that I watched this team. I'm just glad it's in us that every time they pushed, we continue to play hard. Even to the end, when it's a 20-plus point game, you're like, guys, you know, might want to take a little bit more time on a possession. We don't need to try the haymakers. Do we need to continue with the haymakers? But we have that heart. That's really good evidence. That The problem is we're going to be fundamentally flawed this season compared to oh. what is typical of a Florida State basketball team where you don't have answers in the paints. You don't have post answers that will grab you the key rebound mm -hmm. or will mm -hmm. alter the shot yeah. that you can count on for 15 to 20 minutes. You might have to shrink the rotation, but I, I'm not there yet. I'm not. There's still another month. Oh, and they got to play Syracuse this weekend, open up ACC, but then you've got another month to figure things out. Push doesn't come to shove until about the middle of January. But you may have to shrink the rotation. I just the one thing I'll say is I love the starting five last night. I like that group. You got Worley out there to start. You got John Butler out there to start with Malik and Caleb. You got Cleveland first guy off the bench. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, I like no, that no. group. I mean, that's, that's. I think. I think we'll have a group that'll compete most nights to to win a lot of games. I, I think they're going to be a, a slightly above average, maybe 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 a well above average ACC team. This is a a sorry sorry version of the ACC. My God. But um, so that what does that mean? It means you can finish in the top five of the ACC. So that would be well above average. So it, certainly that's possible. By the way, the, the, the remaining non-conference games are against South Carolina, Lipscomb, UCF, and UNF. All right, win, win your remaining non-conference games, which you probably should probably, 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 should, probably should do. We're not making the assumptions we made a year ago or the year before that, but probably. Second chance points are the number one staff for me over the next month for the opponent. There's going to be a lot of them. 
not going to be a lot of them. By the way, the 28-point loss was the worst margin of defeat for FSU in 23 years uh, that we've participated in this event. Uh, worst loss prior was the 16-point loss to Indiana in 2019, as you recall. Um, we lost at Michigan State way back in 2011, 65-49. The 93 points that we gave up last night were the most allowed in a regulation game since uh, 2017. It should also in be, any game. It should also be noted now that we got out of the the, the five to six top headlines because I'd rank it down here at seventh. They got a home whistle too. They did well last yeah, night. Yeah. I mean, well, they got they, they got carried away. I mean, you know, that's that's what happens in basketball. Yeah, there is real momentum that happens in basketball, and there and there are real impact Block charge it, it calls, some happens, critical ones happens here too. Uh, with the when when teams come in here because this is now an actual great environment to to you know host a basketball game. Uh, you see it more in that way, but it. You're not. They didn't need it. You're not intimating that it would have made any no, difference. No, it could have been a road whistle. They still win by ten. Yeah. I'm just you know, well, boy, yeah. that's we need that tonight, guys. <laughs> by the way, Quincy Bowden never saw the floor. Uh, I, I, yeah, it's just you know, okay, that's another big, I guess. Let's show our smarts in the half court against the matchup zone this weekend. That's the thing where I'm saying with the inexperience. I know this this physically is going to look like a cakewalk for the Knowles on Saturday compared to what they just went through. Well, yeah, and then that but, way, to your point, and we'll move on because there's a lot going on in the world of recruiting. There's a lot going on in the world of college football that I want to touch on. But in that way, this could be a very, very, very important you know, lesson for Florida State. You just saw arguably the best team in the country on their home floor a group that was as veteran as any you could possibly run into the rest of the year. Again, they returned nine of their ten stars. You, you, you're gonna, you know, you're not gonna see anybody else as veteran laden, as deep, as talented, as seasoned, as tall as that group was last night. Jeff Cambridge, ninety three three Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. It's Jeff Kimmich on 93.3 Real Talk Radio, Warchant TV. Go check out warchant.com for the latest in recruiting. Now let's check out. Let's do this together, everybody. We'll do it. We'll do it right now. I'll pull it up. I can't. I, you know, the now defunct I follow the kitties.com at a time was uh, it was a special special uh, website, but uh, no longer exists anymore. So you got to go to warchant.com. Um, and that's a good thing because, uh, there are incessant updates. Um, you know, look, the guys are on the road recruiting right now. I, I here's, I'd rather have a, an, a larger discussion about, um, where Florida State's at in the recruiting. You know, Tom and I didn't get a chance to talk together yesterday, uh, as we were doing Seminole headlines. Um, in, in, uh, my thought was, uh, as this all transpired, I'm talking about the larger uh, college football story, which is the carousel of coaches leaving what are prestigious and high-profile jobs for other prestigious and high-profile jobs, and the amount of money being thrown around to said coaches, uh, making most people feel rather uncomfortable about the direction of college football. Sometimes people reveal themselves, and it's disappointing. You find out that somebody's not what you thought they were. In this case, an entire sport has been steady revealing itself to be headed in a certain direction that I think makes most people feel uh, sad or nostalgic. Not because 
everything about the way college football was was better. There were a lot of imperfections about the sport, including how we decide a national champion. That's still something that is problematic within the sport. And you just wait to see how problematic it is if Georgia falls to Alabama and you have some other games fall into place in which it is a crapshoot as to the Final Four and really rather nebulous as to how we got there, right? Now, that would become a thing where you'd say, oh, this is all absurd, you know, and college football in many ways in that regard has always been absurd, and yet it is a passion of all of ours. We love the sport. We love the game. But in what was already a relatively small group of teams that competed at the highest levels, we have seen it funneled into an even smaller group of teams that are going to be able to compete moving forward. And Florida State feels like a program that will be uh, in the interim uh, on the outside looking in if it came down to an arms race, if it came down to salaries for coaches and all of those sorts of things. If NIL became the deciding factor as to which good players went where, Florida State would be on the outside looking in in that race as well. So what I thought when I watched an Oklahoma coach leave the program voluntarily for the first time since 1946 to take a job at Southern Cal, um, because people don't leave Oklahoma to take other jobs, there aren't other jobs that are better than Oklahoma's jobs, save for maybe Notre Dame, right? In the past, in the past. That's changing. I get it. Uh, And when I saw, obviously, probably more to that point, Brian Kelly leave Notre Dame to go to LSU, I thought, wow, this really is a seismic shift in the way that business is done in college football, in the way that uh, teams compete, in the way that rosters are built. Which, again, led me to this thought. Thank goodness Florida State fired Willie Taggart when they did. Thank goodness Florida State was not in the business of trying to find a new coach now while this is happening because this would be a straight ass kicking boat racing whatever you want to describe it Florida State ain't involved in those numbers they're not getting any of those guys they're not only settling perceptionally they would be settling far down the ladder's rung they would be way down towards the bottom in terms of reaching out finding and paying a huge staff to be competitive with LSU, Oklahoma, Southern Cal, Notre Dame, you name it, right? Luckily, the stability that we craved and needed, the continuity that we craved and need is in place right now. So you have a chance to navigate this very difficult and ever-changing time better than you would if you were involved in the coaching carousel. Because you're not, you've had a steady voice, and moreover, you've been able to alter the culture in the locker room and you've, be able, you've been able to create a buy-in and a level of consistency now that I think is comforting to the recruits that you've reached out to, which is why you're probably going to, in the midst of all of this change, still sign a top 10 class. So when we talk about we're fresh off the week of feeling thankful for things, I'm very thankful that Florida State made the move when they did. Some of it's happenstance, some of it's luck. But the fact that they did and now have continuity allows them to compete for the best players in the country with schools that have deeper pockets, better NIL situations, more famous and rich alumni and a deeper pool of them, etc. than if they were going through those changes like these schools are currently because we wouldn't win that battle. Yeah, you know, if you look at it from a 10 to 15 year ahead of right now perspective, 
it gets overwhelming and you think, where's the money going to come from? Well, like right. in order to keep up, well, because how are we going to get the there? Time, right. The bailout card would be that there, there's a reorganization coming. Oh, I think so. And they're going to cut out of 130 FBS schools. They're going to cut 70 out of the equation, just like that. They and pretty much have. Right. It'll just have to be official with Power Five rules that you can you, you can play by different rules. And a commissioner that has the best interest of the sport in right. mind. Right. I mean, it's crying for it right now. It's screaming for it because we're talking about coaches and not games or players. We're talking about on the week of the the conference championship games, which will help decide the sports playoff. We're not talking about any of that. We're talking about what coach is going where and what's the staff going to look like. And we're talking about kids transferring. Yeah. And we're not talking about the games. We're not talking about the teams. We're not at all. Now, that's fine for us because we don't have a game to play. So we can but focus on all of these sport. things. No, it's not good for the sport. It's terrible for the sport. Now, the question is, when does that get-out-of-jail-free card come, and what does the windfall look like for Florida State? If it's five years, mm, all right, well, we're really up against it at that point. Hopefully we win in the interim well, because then, obviously, the home gates improve and, and booster contributions improve. But also but, kids desire to come play for you in stockpiling talent right. so that you can compete against those teams that have more monetarily. That's why, I'm, uh, that's why I brought up I'm thankful because they're going to get this class in here. And they also have uh, more than a handful of examples for the transfer portal kids that it can work here. This year gave them that. Yeah, well, they're smart to us. The first thing they did yesterday was yeah. say seven of the eight kids who made all ACC in, in some form or fashion were all transfers. Oh, so this yeah. Is a, this is a great landing spot for you. But you don't want to be last chance Power 5 you. You know what I mean? Right. You, you want to be the first choice Power 5 right. you. And, and that's right. what I'm afraid we're going to get lost in, in the shuffle if there isn't some sort of change that's outside of our control. Now, it is outside of our control for the moment. Keep winning. Keep getting players to say mm-hmm. yes somehow, some way. I don't care. You get them in, you get them on the field, and you change perception. Because perception still matters more than the tens of millions of dollars that we're that we're losing compared For to now. our in state rivals. But at some point it's gonna that, that check is gonna come due. And it's hard when I'm watching all of these circumstances play out to not focus on that. It's hard not to get lost in that moment. But the good news is that these dudes, there's a full staff that are on they're in all corners of the lower 48 here in the United States this week. They're all over the damn place. They're talking not just to 17-year-olds, but to 20- and 21-year-olds as yeah. they're entering the yeah. portal officially. So they're on the case, and we could we could rest easy with that idea. You just want to see some more yeses roll in so that we have answers to the question of, how do you replace Jermaine Johnson? Here, Thomas, what if Jamie Robinson leaves? The, the, the part about the continuity, the part about the consistency and the the guys who are a steady voice and a consistent voice is I keep coming back to it. Again, I woke up in the midst of all this change and thought, this ain't good for college football. Then I got selfish and said, oh, okay, let's not concern ourselves right now with the rest of college football. Let's concern ourselves with Florida State University. Where are we? All right, well, right now we're not equipped long-term to compete, but short-term we are. And if you are in a position to bring in and upgrade, seriously upgrade, the level of talent here, and you begin to translate that upgrade of talent into better competition on a daily basis in practice, into wins on the football field, which comes directly from that competition and depth of talent every day in practice, then all of a sudden, the 
chocolate fountain and the money spent on frivolous nonsense in order to show that you weren't making a profit in college football, which is what they have to do in athletic departments, suddenly that really gets put on the back burner in the interim because kids do care about winning. They do care about kids that go to schools and then translate that attendance and participation into a professional career. Because you suddenly turned out a Jermaine Johnson in the transfer portal and because you're bringing in a Travis Hunter in all likelihood as the number one recruit in the country, Florida State then in the minute looks very, very viable. Now again, if things don't shift radically over the next five years and you don't parlay this continuity and success into wins and thus a larger sum of money consistently coming in, then you're not going to be able to fake your way through it. But right now, you can because you have continuity, because guys are on the case, because people are out there, and you just got done showing that, hey, this can be a landing place for you in the transfer portal if things haven't worked out at whatever school you chose in the Power Five or, or beyond, and you can go to Florida State and succeed and win games and start to win games. This is an upwardly mobile place currently. That is, uh, that is something that is a salve on an otherwise gaping wound. But college football, if we're going to step outside of Florida State and have the larger discussion, had better get a commissioner and better get somebody involved in the sport that has the sport's best interest in mind. Because right now the NCAA is an obsolete entity. It does not matter. Yeah. You're free to go and come and please, and people can recruit your roster, by the way. That's what's going on right now. In the transfer portal, these kids aren't being contacted for the first time when they put their name in the transfer portal. We're not that naive. So what you have is one team, one program, particularly those with money, depth, analysts, whatever resources you want to refer to, recruiting nonstop both in high school and also your freaking roster. Yeah, and Mark Emmert basically said over the summer, y'all figure it out. We're, we're, the NCAA, we, we don't really have a say in what's going forward. So, you know, we, we talk about how the NCAA has been powerless for a long time. They admitted it. Yes. We well, all knew it, but they admitted it. So where do you go from because here? Because they got called out. They got called out. What ended up happening was their inconsistencies and hypocrisy finally got called out. Once the money became so big. And, and NIL was a NIL thing. NIL was a thing, and TV money is what it yeah. is, and continued to grow, right? It continued to grow. So then at that point, athletic directors and presidents and programs that had the money and the cachet and the history and everything else that said, nah, you know what? Here's what I think. I think we should continue to expand. Basically, the SEC double middle fingered the NCAA and said, come get you some. And then the NCAA went... We'd rather not uh, deal with that. We, in fact, we're not equipped to deal with that, and you guys always knew it. Nobody's ever going to screen grab that double bird you just gave the camera. <laughs> Nobody will ever use that so, for any purpose. Uh, point is, uh, yes, they got called out, and that was the end of that. And, and so here's where we land. What do you think the end game is here? I mean, if you had to predict. It's always money. So, Well, I mean, okay, yes, of course, that's the vehicle, but to where? That these universities become academies that are – affiliated with the NFL in some such way? How do we get to where we're going? Because you've got to sort through NIL, the ability to transfer, which is the free agency of college football. Mm -hmm. We just don't call it that. Right. Then you've got the recruiting game, which is always going to be dirty. Even if you have money in the sport, it, there's always going to be some shenanigans. It would be less dirty if, if it's an understood, if there is a governing body that sets down rules that everybody adheres to as for how much you can have in terms of NIL, how much you can pay, how many coaches you can have on a staff, how many analysts you can have. When you get to that place, then all of a sudden we have an agreed-upon set of rules and a certain amount of money that requires you to be in that club. Right. Well, then all of a sudden we can take the, the schools that don't want to be part of that club. 
kind of like, uh, let's say, the Ivy League. They don't want to be part of that club. They haven't wanted to be part of that club in years. So I said that, you know, the, the last bastion of integrity that you've wanted to see in college sports exists in the Ivy League. Go watch the Ivy League if you want to see that. But it doesn't exist anywhere else. Fine. Let's just find out and define our terms. It's always about that. Well, then I'm a Noel fan who's rooting for college football playoff expansion because it it gives everybody more money. Even if they still keep their gap in the SEC mm-hmm. or, the, or the Big Ten, diminishing returns. I'd rather get to the point yes, of diminishing yeah, returns right. because you've increased our baseline. But that I'm rooting for that says it all. Like That's what I'm rooting for as a Noel for the long-term health of the program. But listen, we can get booster contributions up 200%. And you're still not competing with any of the schools that's that the have been problem. in the news in the last week. Right. You're right. not close. You're not close. Now, that doesn't mean don't do it. Oh, you have to do it, but it, 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 you're not close. You have to hope that because historically over the last 40-plus years, you've been one of the 10 to 15 major players in this sport, that your brand is one of the most significant in all the land, and that's borne out not by my opinion and allegiance to Florida State, but rather all of the jersey sales, the numbers, every poll you look at. I mean, it, anybody you yeah, talk to. Yeah, TV ratings for FSU you, Miami on down still the list. do yeah, you know, Buku. Buku, right. So Florida State is still a significant brand. So there it is that if you're expanding amongst those players that are going to ante up and decide to be all in, and let's say now we're going to whittle down those who are you know, not capable or unwilling. I would think of a school like, I don't know, Virginia. Let's say they, or Duke. Duke's a probably a better example, right? At that point, then you say, all right, well, so the SEC was willing to expand to Oklahoma and Texas. And there, I get that Florida would never want Florida State in, but if you're going to turn this into a 60-team free-for-all who yeah. have money in and a Super League, well, then it won't matter that they don't want Florida State in. Florida State's going to be part of something, the no, bigger picture. I, I think quietly the good thing that happened in that regard, if you want FSU to get into the SEC after all. Or, or just be or, a part or, of the future. To be a part of the future, but <laughs> yeah. the SEC is going to be in that conversation. Whether or not they call it that anymore is, is up to right, whoever. Right. But you just got two more yes votes in that conference. With Oklahoma and Texas, why wouldn't they vote yes for us well, to be in that league? Well, they yeah, the the powers that be, namely the commissioner, went stand down. We're inviting Texas in, right? And and Texas A and M was beside themselves, and they didn't care, right? Exactly. Yeah. And, and the now, other powers, in those turn, that are foreign allegiance, were like, yes, yeah, sorry guys, right? In turn, Texas and Oklahoma are going to vote yes. Why wouldn't they want to undercut the advantage that Georgia and Florida have mm-hmm. in this recruiting territory? Well, right. I, I agree with that, uh, and I think we're probably ultimately headed in that direction. It probably can't happen soon enough for this fan base that That's understands correct. that without the money, you can't compete. Sobering. Let's just be the uh, let's be the Oakland Athletics and the Tampa Bay Rays until that time. Have to be. Got no choice. Jeff Cameron, Show ninety three three Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Fighting to find out if what Lincoln Riley is said to have received from Southern Cal is true. It has been bantied about as such, but if it is, it's the greatest. I and mean, there's no choice if you're Lincoln Riley but to say, well, I say there's no choice. It's an awfully difficult task to say no if what Lincoln Riley got to go to Southern Cal is accurate. Which is to note, Tom, I don't know if you saw this. I did. $11 million a year, a jet for he and his family whenever they want to use it. I could stop there. They overpaid and bought his two houses in Norman for over 500000 each because you can pocket the million in taxes. 
and savings. Um, and a $6 million house allowance for when he gets out to sunny L.A. So here's $6 million. Shop around, please, by all means. Figure out where you want to be. Newport's this wonderful area nearby. Uh, oh, by the way, just take the million that you made on the two houses that we overpaid for so that you could pocket that tax-free. And um, don't forget, you and your lovely wife and children have access to this jet anytime you need it. And I mean anytime. Want to go to south of France? It's yours. Yeah. Oh, okay. Just want to get the groceries. You take it to the store. I, um, where do I sign up? I mean, it, it would explain to me why he cried when referencing Oklahoma. If you watch the press conference, he's like, great to be in L.A., giving the sign, doing the whole thing. And then he's like, the people in Oklahoma were, he starts to weep. He's like, poor. Well, <laughs> well, that would have been funny. But he said, basically, the people in Oklahoma were great to me. I loved it there. It was a dream job that I had to leave. Because can you believe these dumbasses? That's what he might as well have said. Like, guys, I know I'm not wearing pants here at the press conference, but uh, why would I? Hmm? Ask yourself that. Why would I? I don't have to do anything. I'm now making $11 million a year. I've got $6 million to buy a house in L.A., so of the eleven million I'll make this year, I'm not spending any of it on a house because you gave me an extra six mil to find a house. I'm going to walk over pantless to my jet and go wherever the hell I want. I mean, just tell them to fly, just fly in circles, because I can. Maybe I'll take it to Miami, spend the day, and fly back because I can. So can my wife and her children, or our children. Sorry, oops. <laughs> I mean, what a time that would. Whew. That'd be something. Folks, my carbon footprint just upgraded to the size of a Tyrannosaurus <laughs> MF and Rex. Let me tell you. I will hold all media availabilities on the jet. Guys, seen any nice houses in the L.A. area where you deal with less traffic for, say, somewhere in the neighborhood of $6 million? Guys got a place? Hollywood Hills? Where do you want me to be? Santa Monica? I like Santa Monica. Kind of crowded, though. A little bit too trendy. Anywhere else? Any up-and-coming neighborhoods? If you want a one-on-one interview, you need to schedule it when I'm flying to Seattle for no reason. I'm just going to be flying up there. I'm going to go out, have some lunch. The jet will take you back. It'll come get me after I'm done with lunch. But that's where we're doing our one-on-ones. So we'll do little breakouts there. Like, there would be... It, it gets so heady and absurd that, like, at some moment you expect to read a story, cover, like somebody, a beat writer covering Southern Cal's practice next year, writes, inexplicably... You know, Lincoln Riley fell on the ground and started spinning around going, wee, 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 while the coaches and players looked on in amazement. Stood up, got a glass of water, and continued to coach. Like, that's that's the practice today. Well, there's a chance in five years he's going to be the size of Charlie Weiss. <laughs> well, he, doesn't just, have to, he doesn't have to move. Just the absurdity. Mm-hmm. Just the absurdity. Just to like, oh, well, you know. Booster Richie Myers, you're going to carry me to practice. Yeah, uh, but no I, I don't know if I can do that. Oh, you can, Richie, and you will. Get to carrying. Or would you prefer the jet fuel be used <laughs> for this operation? <laughs> Your choice. My, oh, my. I ran late last break. My apologies. Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3.
Thanks, FSU fan. For the JJ and Care FSU School of Defense Fund. Appreciate that. Yeah. Um, well, in truth, uh, we'll be watching very, very closely who they bring in uh, in the transfer portal. Part of that, in particular, to the defensive line because that, yeah, that, that group right there was a. Um, well, it's a lifesaver as much as a five-win season could be considered as such because they would have been a two-win team had they not had that defensive line. Marcus writes, afternoon, gentlemen, as much as I love him and think he's a true Noel, do you think we should move on from Ron Dugans as wide receiver coach? Thanks, guys. Only if you have somebody better. I move on from anybody if I got somebody better waiting than the wings. If, in fact, I know for certain that this person is bringing me Elite-level talent at the position, but they're not going to do that. They're not moving on from him just yet. He didn't have a lot to work with, hasn't had a lot to work with since arriving here, but better be part of the solution in recruiting. Yeah, you're allowed to go get him. I mean, uh, we're, well, we're that's my at point. Marv, and it's been a year, well, and he's been around forever. Right, that's my point. Like, you're evaluated both on the field and off the field, and the off the field right now is very important. And the head man's a receiver. We need to do better. Oh, and I think if anybody would be motivated to find better play at wide receiver, it would be him because of the head coach. Hour number two, forthcoming.